Amen, amen. Well, it's so good to be here this morning and to be with you guys today. I think we'll both be family here today. Look around on you guys. All right, that's, that's good because I'm about to talk to you like we're family. So a little disclaimer. Your pastor loves you. And because I love you, and because I love the Lord, <laughs> we got to preach some truth today. And I was telling Jericho this morning, I'd rather hurt you with the truth than love you with a lie. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 19, verse 12. Now today we have no screens because technology has failed us. But my real Christians, they bring Bibles to church. <laughs> but if you have a Bible open, I, this, is, this is a phrase you haven't heard maybe in years in a church. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Genesis 19. If you don't have a Bible, you can share with that person next to you. Or you can open up your phones and open up your Bible apps. That's allowed as well. But just for the Bibles, don't be sneaking up, no text or sports scores or any of that. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 19. It's going to feel like an old school church today. I even got a suit on for no reason. And thank my wife for that one. Genesis 19, verse 12. As we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, yeah. The Word of God says in verse 12 of chapter 19, Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot. Notice this question. Do you have any other relatives here in the city? Get them out of this place. Your son-in-law, sons, your son's daughters, or anyone else. For we are about to destroy this city completely. We are about to destroy this city completely. For an outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord. And he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, Quick, get out of this city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young man thought he was only joking. And at dawn, the next morning, the angels became assistant. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife. Take your two daughters who are here. Get out right now, or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. And when Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hands and his wives and two daughters and rushed them out to safety outside the city of the Lord. For the Lord was merciful. Can we give God praise for his mercy today? Come on. But this is what really, as I read this passage, what really stood out to me was verse 16. The Bible says Lot still hesitated. And I want to preach to you this morning on the spirit of hesitation. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Use me to speak it with truth. And I fear you more, Lord, 
than I do this world. And I pray, Lord, as this message goes out today, not just to our church, but online, that every person that's offended, every person that is angry, would fall to repentance and see you as their Lord and Savior. And help me to preach this word in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this word. That one word stood out to me. And Lot still hesitates. Now let me give you a brief background of what's happening here, but Abraham was Lot's nephew, and they traveled together to go to the land of Canaan. And as they were going to Canaan, they grew. And Abraham and Lot had a conversation and said, our families are fighting. How many know families fight? Amen. Our families are fighting. There's a lot of strife. Why don't you pick some land? You'll go there, and I'll go the other way. We're still love. We're, we're still family. We still love each other, but we just, not, we just need to separate for a while. And Lot looked to the distance and he saw the region of Sodom. He saw how green it was, how well watered it was, how attractive it was. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> he saw how attractive it was and he went over to Sodom. What's interesting is that Sodom is one of the most wicked cities that ever existed. Sodom was just not a bad city. It was not just a city with bad people. Sodom was one of the most wicked cities that ever existed, that even all the way throughout the Bible in the New Testament, there are many mentions of the city of Sodom. Sodom will be a picture of wickedness. Sodom was a picture of immorality. It was a picture of sin. And for 4,000 years, the Bible will mention in references of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me give you some examples of how bad the city of Sodom was. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, the Bible says, let me turn there now. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, the Bible says Sodom's sins were pride, greed, and laziness. And while the poor and needy suffered outside her door, they were so proud and committed to detestable sins that God wiped the city out and it was never seen again. So notice what Ezekiel says. Thousands of years later, Ezekiel would reference Sodom as a city filled with people that were prideful, that were arrogant. Sodom was a city of greed. The people of Sodom loved immorality. They loved to sin against God. And what the Bible says in Ezekiel is that they had a lack of compassion for other people. So already Sodom is described as a prideful, greedy, lazy, uncompassionate, sexual-driven society. And look at Jude chapter 1, verse 7. And if you don't know where the book of Jude is, it's the last book right before Revelation. So from Genesis, where we have the story of Sodom, all the way to the book of Jude, 4,000 years later, the Bible would say this in the book of Jude. It says in verse 7, 
Do not forget Sodom and Gomorrah. Do not forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns because they were filled with immorality. They were filled with every kind of sexual perversion. And those cities were destroyed by fire and severe warning of eternal life of fire as well. So see, throughout the Bible, God will talk about Sodom and Gomorrah for thousands of years to come. The Bible mentions that it was a city of pride. The people were greedy. They lacked compassion. They were driven to sexual sin. The book of Jude said they were filled with immorality. But see, what, what stands out to me the most is what the Bible says in Genesis 19.14, which we read. The Bible says that when Lot told his daughter's fiancés to get out of Sodom, that God was going to destroy the city, the Bible says that they laughed. And I want you to picture this. They were not afraid. They were not ashamed. The Bible says that they laughed. And that word laugh in the Hebrew is the word saha. And saha is not just a little laughter. The word saha literally means to mock. It's a type of laugh where you put someone down. You think they're crazy. And you begin to mock them. And they begin to mock God. So let's put everything together about Sodom. According to Scripture, Sodom was a city of pride and arrogance. It was a city of greed. It was a city where people lacked compassion for those in need. It was a city of sexual immorality. It was a city that was filled with sin. And it was filled with people who mocked at the thought of God. They mocked God. They mocked God's judgment. They mocked God's anger. They laughed at the things of God. And of all the Bible references of Sodom and Gomorrah, the most frightening I'm about to read to you, and it's found in Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 28. Jesus himself referenced Sodom and Gomorrah. And in the book of Luke chapter 17, verse 28, Jesus would say this. He would say, and the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. Jesus is now talking about our world today. He's talking about our present life, our present circumstances. And people were asking, when will you return, Jesus? When is God going to bring judgment to the world? And Jesus said this, here's a little clue that you know Jesus is about to return. Here's a little clue if you want to know that judgment is near. Here's a little clue if you want to know when God is going to say, I've had enough. He says, when you see the days turn like Sodom and Gomorrah, that's when you will know the Lord is near. And God says through Jesus in Luke 17, 28, he says, and the world will see be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, 
They went about eating and drinking, buying and selling and farming and building until the morning lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Jesus says in the last days, it will look like Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you know what Jesus is talking about, he's saying that when he returns, you have to look around your life today. And if our world looks like Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord is near and judgment is coming. And when you think about Sodom and Gomorrah and you think about our world today, I think we're there. Amen? We live in a world of pride, like the Bible says. You can't tell people what to do anymore. Everyone thinks they're better than everyone else. You can't correct them or you get canceled. You can't tell them they're wrong or they get angry. There's a sense of pride and there's a sense of arrogance that I do what I want. This is my life. There's a world of greed. Everyone wants more and more and more. And the Bible says there was a city of a lack of compassion. And when you look today at people, people don't help people anymore. People lack compassion. And the number one thing Jesus mentions about Sodom and Gomorrah is it will be a city of sexual sin where sexuality will be hyper, public, and acceptable. When you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, it's where we get the word sodomy from. And isn't it interesting today in our world how sexual sin has been so accepted in our culture? Sodom and Gomorrah was so sexually wrong. And they didn't care. The Bible says that the men would gather around Lot's house to try to sleep with their male visitors. The Bible says that it was both old and young men diving into sexual perversion. Here's the shocking thing about Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't just the adults living in sexual sin and immorality. It transferred over to the younger generation. What do we see today in our country? We're trying to sexualize our children. We're trying to make them comfortable with homosexuality. We're trying to make them comfortable with premarital sex. We're trying to misgenderize them. And we're trying to push them away from God's view of sex and even science. And the whole city was corrupt. The whole city was immoral, both from young generation to the older generation. And there came a point that God looked at Sodom and Gomorrah and said, I have had enough. And we might think our world is depraved now, but believe me, you have not even seen the poverty until you see Jesus Christ return and destroy this world for its sin. Jesus says the last days are going to be like Sodom. You're going to see wickedness acceptable and right. We're going to call what is wrong right and what is right wrong. And wickedness will be everywhere. But it will be acceptable. You're going to see sexual immorality on the rise and in public and acceptable. But most of all, you're going to see a mockery of God. 
you're going to see a mockery of the church. And people will laugh at Christians. People will laugh at the things of God. They will treat it as a joke. And here's a sad truth about Sodom. From a distance, it was attractive. It was popular. It was a part of the culture. And Sodom and Gomorrah was a city that was thriving. That even Lot from a distance saw how green it was, how well watered it was. From a faraway distance, Lot said, wow, that looks great. That looks amazing. That looks like so much fun. That looks so innocent. Man, I wonder what it's like to be there. And he left to try it out. Not knowing that it was a city destined for destruction. Church, the world looks attractive. Amen? You can amen to that. The world looks attractive. Sin looks fun. Harmless. But like Sodom, sin is a pathway to destruction. And from the beginning of time, the devil has made sin attractive. Ungodliness acceptable. He's tried to form it into our culture to the point that it has leaked into the church culture. From the very beginning, we look at Eve. And God gave them a, a specific instruction. Do not eat of this fruit of knowledge of good and evil. But the Bible says that when Eve saw that the fruit was good and it was pleasing to her eyes, she ate it. Why? What did the devil do? All the devil had to do, notice that the Bible mentioned when she saw, everyone say saw, when she saw it was pleasing to her eyes. You know what the devil had to do? Just change her perception of it. And the same tactic he used then to destroy Adam and Eve is the same tactic he's using today to destroy families and marriages and churches and believers alike. He's just trying for us to change our perception of what sin is. It's not so bad. It's harmless. You're too religious. You're too fanatic. That was then. This is now. Accepted now. It's different. Things are different. It's different. And God says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if it was a sin yesterday, it's a sin today. It will be a sin forever. God does not change. We do. And the devil changes your perception of sin to make it acceptable. And here's what's interesting. Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah, a city filled with immorality and sin. But verse 16 says, that God, in His mercy, would go to rescue him. Genesis 19.16 When Lot still hesitated, 
The angel seized him by the hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them out to safety outside the city. For the Lord was merciful. This is what I love about God. He sees you in your sin. He sees what has you in bondage. And Lot still went to Sodom and Gomorrah and it was a wrong choice and all of us can relate to wrong choices. But see, God says, I am merciful. And there are two characteristics I want to teach today about God. His grace and His mercy. Grace is love you don't deserve. And mercy is that when God is love, mercy says, I'm going to withhold the punishment you do deserve. But here's what we have to understand about God. God is love and God is merciful. But God's love and mercy was never a justification for you to live in sin. God's love and mercy was never an excuse to say, God's still going to forgive me. God's going to turn the other way. God's not going to be angry with me. God's going to let it slide. God's going to turn the other way. God's going to accept it. We have used and abused the love and mercy and grace of God to mean you can live how you want. But the love and the mercy of God says, I will withhold the judgment you deserve for a season. But judgment is coming. And when we look at the cross, Jesus Christ died for our sins because God so loved the world. That is grace and mercy. Jesus Christ took away the sins that we deserve to be punished for. That's mercy. But if you reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you turn your back on Jesus, and continue to live in your sin, and you die without Jesus, those punishments that you deserve will be paid for on you. See, love, grace, and mercy was never God's way of saying, I'll let you live how you want. I'll let you live in your sin. I'll let you live in your own immorality. God's love and mercy never meant what we lie in the pulpit and say, come as you are, Stay as you are. God loves you just as you are. That is a demonic lie. God hates who you are. That's why you need Jesus, so he can change you. And look, God doesn't hate. Read the Bible. The Bible says, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. You mean God hates me? If you don't know Jesus Christ, yes, He hates who you are. He hates the sin in you. But in grace and mercy, He says, you come to me. And in His mercy, He gave the opportunity for Lot to get out. See, grace and mercy was not God's way of saying to Lot, I still love you, stay in Sodom, stay as you are, it's okay. I love you, Lot, stay there. No, 
grace and mercy said, because I love you and because I'm merciful, Lord, I'm giving you an opportunity to get out of this. And trust me. And that's what Jesus Christ came for. And love and mercy, it was not to accept us in our sin, but to deliver us from it. But see, pastors my age have got the Word of God all twisted and confused. And we have taken the love and the mercy of God to mean live as you are, be who you are, love who you want to love, do what you want to do. And God says that is not true. Let me calm down a little bit. What's most disturbing about this story is verse 16. Verse 16. God sends two angels to get them out. That's mercy. Because Lot deserve to die with the rest of them. That's us. We deserve to die with the rest of the world in our sin. But God in His mercy sent Jesus to get us out. Let's take a praise break for that one. Would you praise God for that today? But what's disturbing is verse 16. When Lot still hesitates, the angel sees him by the hand. Lot hesitates. When I read that, I always thought, I don't know why I was blind to this till now. The angels came and said, hey, how you doing, Lot? Oh, I'm good. Hey, um, God's going to destroy this place. You got to go. Oh, okay, cool. Let's go. But the Bible makes it clear that when those angels warn Lot of destruction, he hesitates. When God tells him, get out, and when God warned him that this would destroy him, he still hesitates. You would think that Lot would run for his life. You would think he would grab his children and his wife and run as quick as possible and adhere to the word of the angels and say, yes, thank you, we're out right now. I'm so grateful you spared us from this, Lord. We're leaving right now, kids, no questions about it. He would have just dropped everything and ran. You thought he would protect his wife and kids and say, kids, let's go now. But the Bible says Lot hesitated. And that word hesitate in the Hebrew literally means to linger, to wait, to delay, procrastinate. The angel said, get out now. Wait, 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 wait. I don't know. 
Well, well yeah, what if, it, what, if it's, what if I'm crazy? What if, I don't know. I have my friends here, I have my job here, I have my house here, I have my career. My kids grew up in this neighborhood. I mean, are you sure? Should we leave? And he started hesitating. I was angry at Lot. I don't know him. And so I realized we are Lot. I wonder how many sins in your life God's told you enough to get out of, but you're still hesitating. I know I'm not going to get an amen for that one. It's okay. But I wondered, as I wondered about my church, not every other church, not America, none of that, I wondered about forward, how many sins in your life God has given you time and time again, the opportunity to get out and be set free from, but you're still lingering. I wonder how many sins in your life you should have been dead to already, but it still lingers. How many attitudes in your life still linger? How many habits in your life still linger? See, like Lot, we have this attitude with sin. We have this attitude with ungodliness. We have this attitude with the things of the world that don't honor God. We know it's wrong. We know it's harmful. We know it can destroy our lives, our reputation, our family, our children, our marriage. We know of its destructive power, yet we let it linger in our lives. And God says, get out. Before it destroys you. Before it destroys your home. But we hesitate. And we let sin still linger in our lives. We let bad habits still linger in our lives. We let bad relationships we don't belong in still linger in our lives. And we delay the right things of God and the right things of God that we should be doing. We make excuses for it. We say, wait, maybe later, maybe next time I have more time. And you delay and you delay and you delay. But when the world comes calling, you don't hesitate. You run to it. But when I call you to go to church, you're like, I don't know yet. Hesitation. And you hesitate. When that church lady calls, I must my mom and calls you and say, hey, you, you haven't been in church. Are you coming next week? You're like, yeah, I'll be there, I think. Maybe, I don't know. And you hesitate. We hesitate to do the right. We hesitate to do the honorable. Some of you woke up and hesitated. Should I go to church today? Aren't you glad you did? You hesitate to read the Word of God. Well, pastor's going to read it for me on Sunday. Should I read it? now? We hesitate to pray. We hesitate to get the things out of our lives that don't honor God. Church, my message is clear this morning. Stop hesitating. See, God had a lot more for Lot. Abraham was in Canaan. Canaan would be the future promised land. And what if your hesitation is causing you to miss out on the promises of God? And God has so much better for you, but your hesitating has you stuck. And you hesitate and hesitate 
and procrastinate and wait and delay and maybe next time, maybe later, maybe someday. You see, God said to these angels, get out now. When I read this, I said, I was going to preach something else, believe me. But when I read this, I said, why aren't more churches preaching? And could it be, Lord, that you're showing me this because the church you've given me the honor to pastor has people that are hesitant to trust you? Hesitating to quit the things they're doing that don't honor him. And God wants to get you out of your little Sodom. But the devil says, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Stay a little longer. And I asked myself, I wonder how many people in our church are missing out on the promised land. Better, the best of what God has, because you are hesitating in a place you don't even belong in. And all my years as a pastor, I have seen more hesitation than ever. And I'll tell people, you need to break up with this boy, and they're like, ah, yeah, yeah. You need to quit this job. Yeah, I know, but you know. (laughs) You hesitate. But for every hesitation, there is a missed opportunity for you to see what God has for you. And Lot and Abraham were together. But Abraham was blessed. Abraham experienced the favor of God. And I I said, what's the difference between Lot and Abraham? Both made wrong choices. Both were not perfect, far from it. But why was God able to bless Abraham and not Lot? And here's when I figured it out. Lot hesitated. To obey God, to trust God, and to leave the things that are ungodly. Abraham did not hesitate. The Bible says that God told Abram, Abram, leave this country, leave your family, leave everything, trust me, go here. Okay, God. Never hesitate. Abraham, yes, Lord. Kill your son, your only son, Isaac. Got up the next morning and said, okay, God. No hesitation. Because God cannot bless a hesitant person. God wants to know, do I have people that if I say now, they say yes, Lord. Do I have yes, Lord, people? Or do I have maybe, Lord, people? And you want God to bless you. But you have this spirit of hesitation that gets you to question God and not trust God and leave the thing God is saying, get out of this. 
and we hesitate. And my question as I read this, can I get deeper? Can you handle it? I love my church. You guys like the abuse. It's crazy. <laughs> You're like, yeah, Pastor Jerry. How did he end up in Sodom? My question is first, why did he hesitate? Why did he hesitate? And believe me, like a fool, I spent hours searching the Bible, searching commentators, asking my friends that are pastors, why did he hesitate? Why, did he, why, Lord, show me there has to be some deep theological meaning behind the hesitation of Lot. And I finally got on my knees and said, Lord, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I don't know why, but I need to know why. Why did Lot hesitate? Not, not even exaggerating, the Lord impressed in my heart. Because he liked it. That's it. He liked it. He got comfortable with it. He liked it. Can I tell you the truth? Can I be honest? You know why you sin? You like it. You like it. No, it breaks my heart. No, it doesn't. No, my spirit is crushed. Like you said last Sunday, got a crushed spirit because of my sin. No, you don't. God can do more in the life of a believer that says, Lord, help me. I like this. Than someone that says, oh, it hurts. It hurts. I'm sorry. Okay, one more time. Come on, in Jesus' name, confess. I like it. Say it. It feels good. I like it. No, you're scared? Say it with me. I like sin. I like it. I like it. Why? It's part of our nature. We like it. We just come up with all these wild excuses why we do what we do. No, why, why do people love, why do people dive into sexual sin? Why is there premarital sex on the rise even in the church? Why do men look at pornography at least three times a month? Why are their affairs up to 70%? Why is it that sexual sin is so driven in our culture, even in the church? Church? You like it? I know, no, I like, the thing is, is that I, I, I had an affair because I was broken and my husband broke my heart and my wife is, doesn't appreciate me and I had a troubled childhood. And, and I said, no, you don't, you just like it. Admit it, you like it. Why do people drink what they drink and put into their bodies what they put into their bodies? They like it. They know it's Sodom. They know it's going to destroy them, but they hesitate because they like it. We like it. We like sin. We like sexual sin. We like drunkenness. We like affairs. We like gossip. We like ungodliness. We like it. The world likes it. We like ungodly music. We like ungodly relationships. We like it. We like it. Lot liked it. You know what our sin reminds me of? My relationship with black coffee. Because I used to be a, the type that put creamer and sugar and all of that stuff, but I got tired of putting creamer and sugar every morning. I got lazy. 
And I got tired of every time I went to a drive-thru and I asked for six cream, three sugars, they would do it backwards and mess it up. So you know what I said to myself? I've had enough. I'm going to drink it black. Black, that, that's it. Black and simple. Just that, that's how I'm going to take it. And the first time I had my first black coffee, it was disgusting. I tasted it and I wanted to throw it. I was disgusting. But you know what? I kept drinking it and drinking it and drinking it. And there came a point that my, at the first cup, my palate couldn't take it. But I had it every morning for a week and then two weeks. Every morning and every night. Black coffee, black coffee, black coffee. And that palate that used to blah went, hmm. It's not so bad now. And the palate that used to go blah, now went, and the same, and a few months later, the same palate went. Mm-hmm. And now, I crave it. The coffee I hated, I now desire. Because I got comfortable with it. And I like it. You want to see the devil come out of me? Tell me. I should drink less coffee. Tell me coffee's not good for me. And instead I'll be praying, hold me back, Lord. And I wonder, like that black coffee, how many sins in your life Did you once dive into and say, oh, I can't believe I did this. Well, I can't believe I watched this. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did it. And you just hated it with disgust, but you did it long enough that you naturally got comfortable and enjoyed it. Why did Lot hesitate? He liked it. What's the answer? First is confess. Lord, I, I, I like this sin. Lord, when when I, I, I like watching this, I like tasting this, I like doing this, I like it, Lord, and I need help. Psalm 9710 says this. I really miss our theme. Psalm 9710. You who love the Lord hate evil. You who love the Lord hate what is evil. See, my, my question is how do you overcome the sin that you like? It's not it's not just praying, because some of you have prayed your Sodom away and it still comes back. Some of you have, you know, you've bitten the wooden spoon and said, I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna do it. I mean, some of you have made vows that even God might laugh and say, I know you're not gonna commit to that. And the world the, the pastors today and the churches today, and I'm guilty of this. We tell you guys. You gotta stop sinning. You gotta hate the sin. 
But Psalm says, you who love the Lord hate evil. Really answer to get into a place in your life where you begin to hate your sin is falling in love with the Lord. It's not about going to church more. Because I guarantee some of my faithful ones here, you're here every Sunday, but there's still some Sodom in your life. It's not about praying more. It's not about reading the Bible more. It's not saying, please, please, it's not, definitely not going to Pastor David from counseling. Because some of you, I have counseled for years and you're still in it. Why? Because you need to fall in love with Jesus. When you begin to love the Lord, naturally you begin to hate the evil. See, the answer to your sin is saying, Lord, I'm gonna, my problem is not just my sin. My problem is I need to grow in love with you because when your love for God grows, your hatred for sin grows. And when you begin to love, truly love God, you cannot watch what you're watching because it disgusts you. You cannot do what you're doing. You can't put into your body what you're putting into your body. You can't say what you're saying. You can't be out there in the world and say, I love God, because the Bible says that friendship with the world is hatred towards God. You can't say that. Lord, I love you, but I want to be in the world. It doesn't work that way. When you truly fall in love with the Lord, there is a hatred for sin and a disgust for the things of this world. So my prayer for you is that you begin to really analyze your love for God and say, Lord, I need to fall in love with you. And as you spend time with Him in the Word and pray and spend more time in His presence, you begin to fall in love with Him. And as you fall in love with God more, your hatred for sin grows. And you get set free from it. The reason that Lot hesitated it's because he liked him. But my question is, how did Lot end up in Sodom? Because when I look at people today, who because Lot loved the Lord, and I'll, I'll show you that in a moment, Lot loved God. Lot, the Bible says, was a righteous man. He knew the word of God. He practiced the way of God. Yet he ended up in Sodom. And my question is, why is it that I see so many people who once upon a time were in church, passionate for the Lord, on fire in the Holy Spirit, loving God, loving, serving, ministering, all of that. And then you look at them a months and weeks or many years later, and they're in the world, hasn't set foot in the church. They're angry, they're cursing, they're like the world. And I think to myself, what happens? Does someone just get up one day and say, I guess I think I'm going to just stop serving God? Does someone get up and say, you know what, I'm going to be atheist from now on, agnostic from now on, I'm just going to live in sin. Does someone get up and say, you know what, Lord, I'm just not going to follow you anymore. That doesn't happen. It comes in stages. And when I studied the Word of God, I realized that Lot showed us the stages 
of hesitation. Can I read them for you? You guys okay? Am I preaching good? <laughs> if you don't think I'm preaching right, it's because you're not living right. And you like your sin. <laughs> That's the people that get mad at me. I can't believe he said that. I don't know. Because you like it. Genesis 13, 12. It came in three stages. Number one, Abraham settled in the land of Canaan. And Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom. Sodom, Lot didn't just go into Sodom. He played a little game that we play with God. The first stage is called the tent stage. Tents are meant to be set up temporarily. Unless you're in California, then it's forever. But anyway, tents are supposed to be temporarily. You just put them somewhere and then you take them down and go. And, and Lot played this, this game with God. If the first stage to hesitation is the tent stage. The tent stage is simply this. It's compromise. Notice that the Bible says he went near Sodom. And a lot of us, we play this game with God. How close can I get? How close can I get? And we're that foolish to say, I'm, I'm going to get close, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to get close. So I, I'm going to get real close to my girlfriend, but I'm going to make sure I don't sin. I, I, oh no, you know what? Drunkenness is a sin, so I'm going to get real close, but I'm not going to get drunk. But I've never met a person that drinks who has never been drunk. So we play this game with God. I'm going to get real close and near to sin. And that's where it starts. Oh, I'm not going to have a relationship with an ungodly person. I'm just going to get a little coffee, a little text, a little... It's going to get near. And we get near. And the reason that he did not go in but went near it because he knew it was wrong. But he liked it. Let me explain how sin works in our lives. In Proverbs chapter 5. Let me drop some wisdom here. Because God says in Proverbs, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3. The lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey. All my men said, Amen. Women, you're sweet. God said, the lips of an immoral woman as as sweet as honey. I, I think God said it this way. It's as sweet as honey. It's a Hebrew word, honey. And her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's a bitter poison. Somebody said, I married that. She's a bitter poison. Dangerous. Has a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. 
And God says, now listen, my son. Listen to me, he says. Never stray from what I'm about to say. So God says, get ready. I'm going to give you some advice. Yes, Lord, tell me. Stay away from her. Do not even go near her door. Because that's how that immoral woman is talking about sin. When you first start off sinning, it is sweet. It is smooth. I'm getting away with it. No one knows. I'm, I'm so smooth, I, no one's going to find out. Until the end, like a sword that it pierces. And the Bible says his a path leads to destruction. And God's advice is stay away from him. Stay away from that sin. And one of the ways to secure that you stay away from it, don't even play that game of getting near it. Don't go near it. But see, but Lot, he pitched his little, little tent. I'm not in Sodom. I just want to be close to him. But what's interesting is that in the Bible, he compromised. But in Genesis 19, verse 1, Check this out, church. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom, and Lot was sitting there, and he saw them. He stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them, and he bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, he said, come to my house. Wait a minute. This guy went from a tent near it to a house in it. That's what happens when you play the game of near. Some of you think, Oh, I just have a little tent. It's not that bad. Stay in that tent long enough, you're going to want a house. And it got so bad that this guy who started off in a tent near Sodom got himself some real estate in Sodom. And he was out without shame. Oh, yeah, come to my house. Vamos, vamos. Mira la casa que tengo aquí in Sodom. Mira, look at my house. Sorry, Lord. But it's true, church, isn't it? Because sin progresses. It gets worse. And you know what the house stage is? Is where you settle. That's when the black coffee starts going, hmm. Hmm. And you begin to settle. And I wonder how many of your sins started off as a tent, but you settled to live that way. That's what it's called when you live in sin. You built a house where God says you don't belong in. You begin to settle and compromise and excuse and settle. And you should never settle for what does not honor God. And the way you make sure that sin will not settle in your life, in your home, in your children, you make a vow with yourself, it will not get near me. Because the devil says it's just a tent. 
And some of you already have mansions. It started off as a little house. That's the stage. And the sad part is that when you settle, it means that your convictions are leaving. See, God puts conviction in you. Conviction is that guilt and shame when you sin that gets you to say, I, don't, I, I can't do this. I can't be here. This isn't a part of me. I need to get out. But when you're in and long enough, your conviction gets quieter. And when conviction gets quieter, you settle for things that God does not honor, things that God says you do not do, places God tells you you don't belong in, people you don't, you don't even be with. But you settled for it because when you were in your tent, you compromised. Even though you knew it was wrong, you felt wrong, you knew it was wrong before God, but something in you stayed long enough where now you just settled for it. And it gets worse, church. The Bible says, in the evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. And Lot was sitting there. Lot was sitting in the courtyard. I said to myself, wait a minute. That's the third stage. The courtyard, even Job. I read Job this week. And Job was talking about the good of days, the good old days, as he sat in the courtyard and he gave people advice and he helped people with their problems. See, when you sat in the courtyard, it's a reference to being one of the elders of the city that would help people out. And when travelers came, you would tell the travelers where to eat, where to go, what to do. In other words, Lot became the mayor of Sodom. This guy went from a town, from a little tent to a house to running that city. I said, my goodness, Lot, how did you get so far? See, that third stage of being in the courtyard where everyone's at is where not only the tenth stage, the tenth stage says, I'm just going to get near it and compromise. The house stage says, I'm going to settle for this is my lifestyle now. But the courtyard stage says, I'm going to look like everyone else. Be like everyone else. That when travelers come to visit Sodom, they're going to think, I'm a part of it. It's who I am. And see, that's, what, that's the problem with the church today. We left the tent a long time ago. The church is in the courtyard today. The courtyard is where every person that professes to be a follower of Jesus Christ looks and acts just like someone that doesn't. You look like the world, you speak like the world, you act like the world, you live like the world, and someone that doesn't know Jesus looks at you and they would never know that you belong to God. And you look at people in the church today and we're just looking like the world, acting like the world, living like the world. And it started with a tent. One compromise. And if you would ask, Law, what, Law, what are you doing here? How did it happen? You would say, it started with my tent. See, what had happened was I was walking with my family and I saw Sodom from a distance. 
and it looked good, it looked great, it, it looked fun. And as I got closer, I saw the sin, I saw the immorality, I saw the wickedness, something in me that said, I didn't belong here, so what I did was just, I just stayed near it. Close enough where I can enjoy it, but far enough where I wouldn't feel guilty before God. Amen, church? But then I got so curious that one day I stepped into Sodom and I bought a house. And I settled there. And then I became mayor. Why did you do it? He said, I like it. And some of you are mayors. It started with a tent. And now, you look like the world. You're acting like the world. And I don't say this to bring shame in you. I say this to remind you of who God is. And verse 15, we'll close with this. In verse 15, God says, at dawn, the next morning, the angel became insistent and he said to Lot, Hurry, take your wife, take your daughters who are here, and get out right now, or you will be swept away from destruction. You will be swept away with destruction. But notice what God said. Get out. You know what the message is there? God didn't ask the angels to ask Lot, how did he even end up there? God does not care how you ended up where you're at. God is concerned about getting you out of there. God says, I want to get you out. The reason he told Lot, get out, is because he's letting Lot know where you're at is not where you should be. And where you're at is not forever. Lot, I'm giving you the chance and the opportunity now to trust me and get out because you can get out of this. And I don't know what sin has plagued your life, what bondage you're in, but the message the Lord says for you this morning is I don't care how you got in this mess, I only care about getting you out of it. And you can get out of your sin. You can get out of your immorality. You can get out of that lifestyle that God says is, uh, does not honor Him. And God says, get out now. Now. Don't hesitate. Now, because destruction is coming. And He reminds Lot, grab your wife, and grabbed your daughter. He said, Lot, you are a husband and you are a father that needs to take the leadership role and save his family and get out of Sodom. We need more men to get out 
and be examples to their children. Get out because destruction is going to sweep this place. And there are too many marriages being swept by destruction. Too many children are being swept by destruction. Too many people, destruction has swept their lives because they're in the wrong place with the wrong people doing the wrong things. And it started with a little tent. We're hesitating. But God says, do not hesitate any longer. Get out now. And maybe today, you're saying, Pastor, I'm in Sodom. And I like it. All I will tell you today is that Sodom is as sweet as honey and as smooth as oil right now. But it will destroy. This world that you are replacing for God is going down. That sin that you're going after, instead of running to the Lord, it's going to bring you down. But God in His love and mercy never said, stay as you are. No, God in His love and mercy says, here's your opportunity to get out. Jesus is the opportunity to get out of your sin. Jesus is the opportunity to get out of that life. Jesus is the opportunity. And I'm grateful for a God that doesn't give up on you and doesn't abandon you because of your Sodom, but sends his angels to say, get him out. But why did God rescue Lot? I said, why did God rescue Lot? And we have to go all the way to 2 Peter 2.7 to show you why. 2 Peter 2.7 The Bible says God rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. You see where while Lot was in Sodom and he was around the ungodliness, something in him said, you don't belong here. Why are you doing this? Why are you here? And the Bible says he got sick of the wickedness. And when Lot got sick of the wickedness, the Bible in the context would show that Lot maybe cried out to God and said, Lord, I'm sorry. It started with a tent. I bought a house and I'm the mayor now and I like it, Lord. But Lord, there's something in me that I'm sick of this sin. I'm sick of this immorality. I'm sick of this wickedness. I'm sick of hurting my children, my wife, my home, my family. I'm sick of who I am. I'm sick of this destroying me. I'm sick of this shame. I'm sick of this immorality, Lord. Lord, help me. And God said to his angels, go get them. Because we need to reach a point that you get sick of your sin. you got to get sick of that sin that has plagued your life for years that has hurt your family, that has ruined your marriage, you need to get sick of it. And when you get sick of it and fall in love with God, you begin to hate it to the point that God says, I will get you out of it. Are you sick of it? 
Are you sick of the drugs that's plaguing your child? Are you sick of the pornography that calls you every night? Are you sick of the premarital sex that leaves you feeling ashamed and broken? Are you sick of the homosexuality? Are you sick of the ungodly words you hear, the ungodly things you say, the ungodly things you watch? Are you sick of it or are you hesitating? That's my question. And so I'll stand to pray. Because God is saying right now, Right now, you can get out. With every head bowing and your eye closed today, I want you to think of the sin you're sick of today. I want you to think of that thing you're sick of that is hurting you, robbing you, destroying you. God will tell Lot in his mercy, you can get out. And Lot needed to stop hesitating. No more hesitation. You need to do what you need to do. Cancel what you need to cancel. Break up with whoever you need to break up. You need to confess whatever you need to confess. Take drastic measures. But you have to understand what the Word of God says. He said, get out now. I have spared you long enough. I have waited long enough. My mercy and my grace has kept me from destroying you long enough. But you need to make the decision now. Are you going to die with the world or get saved by me? Are you going to live for God? Or live for this world? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, open the hearts today. If you're here today, and maybe for the first time you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, what does that mean? All of us are sinners. All of us are Sodom and Gomorrah. We are immoral in nature. But God in His love sent Jesus Christ on this earth to die for our sins. That is the mercy and the grace of God. We didn't deserve it. We've done nothing to earn it. That is grace. And the mercy says, you deserve hell, you deserve punishment, but I withheld the judgment and I put it on my son Jesus. So whoever trusts in Jesus Christ and believes that he died for their sins and rose again, when you put your faith in Jesus, you will be rescued like lots. So don't you hesitate today. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I am a Christian, but I'm a bad one. I am a Christian that knows better. I am not. I should be leading a life of godliness. I, be a, I should be a better example to my children. I should be a better example to the world. But, Pastor, to be honest with you, I have a tent that turned to a house and I'm the mayor now. And God brought you to this church this morning to say now. Stop hesitating. Now. Say, Lord, I'm sick of it. I want to pray for each and every one of you here today. If you're here today, you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Would you pray this with me from your heart? It's not the 
prayer that saves you. It is Jesus. But in your heart, when you tell the Lord and confess that you're a sinner and turn from your sins and turn your life over to Jesus, He will forgive you of your sin and save you from hell. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I am sorry. I am immoral. I am ungodly. I like sin. But Lord, I'm sick of it. And today, right now, I ask you, Jesus, to save me. Forgive me as I put my faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're here this morning, with every head still bowed and every eye still closed, you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm sick of my sin. The sin that I like makes me sick. And I hesitate. And I play games with God and I get near it. And I've settled for it. But I know there are things in my life God wants me to get out of. If that's you as an act of faith today in confession, would you put that hand up and say, Lord, that's me right now without shame. You've lived in shame long enough. Might as well be ashamed one more time and get that hand up and say, Pastor, you're talking to me. Am I preaching to you tonight? You put your hand up. If I'm preaching to you this morning, you put that hand up and say, Pastor, I'm sick of this. In Jesus' name, Heavenly Father, I pray for all the pans that are up this morning. I pray for all the compromises. I pray for all the tents that turn the houses. I pray for all the mayors in this church today that are living a life just like the world. Father, you know the sin that they're sick of, the sin that they hesitate, the sin they excuse. And in Jesus' name, I pray that you would get them out. That they would love you so much, oh Lord, that they would hate the sin they're in. And give us the grace to get out and the mercy to stay out and live in your promises in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come on, give God some praise this morning. Amen. You guys can have a seat. I want to thank you guys for that word today. Did you guys enjoy that today? I know you guys got beat up today. I want to thank you guys for being here, for receiving this word today. And I pray that you re-listen to it if you have to, or send it to someone you love, because God wants to get you out into better places, to better things. But you can't step into the things of God if you don't step out of those things God wants you to step out. Receive this word today in Jesus' name.